Shut Off That Noise is kindly sponsored by Stephen Dearlove, financial advisor at Investors Group Canada. Let me see who got what in our hand. All right. Hello, and welcome to Shut Off That Noise, Season 2, and I'm your host, Craig Riddock. Welcome back, everyone. It's been a long summer, and I've had a bit of a hiatus from making the podcast, but I'm back again, and I'm going to try and get them out more regularly. And that noise that you heard to start off our show was the sound of thunder and lightning right overhead happening simultaneously. I hope that recording captured just exactly how loud and scary that was. As the rain came pouring down us at Long Point Provincial Park on the shores of Lake Erie in Ontario. Well, I'm going to get this new season of Shut Off That Noise off to a roaring start with my favorite band from Toronto, a great band to see in the bars, one of the best kept secrets in the Canadian music industry, Run With The Kittens. They've been around for about 14 years. They've been a fixture at the Cameron House in Toronto on the fabled Queen Street West, and they're also a fixture once a month in Guelph at the Jimmy Jazz. Well, I'm not going to take up your time telling you about them because they're going to tell you about themselves. And I'm going to get things started with the lead track from their latest album, Casio Glue Bomb. It's a song called Cut of Your Jib. Just said I went so out half for, of you is wet and yeah. I just went out for a smoke and it's just pouring rain and super sunny sky yeah. in the east and it's just like what is that's Nigel. Yeah, I know. That's what happens. You wear these raincoats; they only come to such a certain level. Everything, everything else. You can get yourself a good cowboy duster, man. Yeah, I do. You're right. 
what those tassels are for, too. Those tassels wick the water away. Is that what they're for? That's what they're for. They're not just for smoking so dope in. Periwinkle. But they're actually for water. Oh, it's like an irrigation cup. Totally. That's cool. All right, well, the membership of Run With The Kittens consists of one Nate Mills on vocals, guitar, synthesizer, and percussion. He also writes all the songs. There is Nigel Hebelwaite. He plays bass guitar, baritone guitar, and synthesizers. And Jake Ulrichs on drums, percussion, glockenspiel, and vibraphone. And he is one crazy dude and a great drummer. All right, well, hey, guys. Thank thank you so much for being on Shut Off That Noise. I'm really pleased you guys are on my first episode of Season 2. And uh, it's going to be like a one-hour episode. Usually it's 30 minutes, but there's a lot of ground to cover here. Uh, first of all, we're at the Cameron House, which is kind of like home to you guys. Yeah. Um, uh, so tell me about that. How did how did you guys get started here? What like a twelve ish years ago? Yeah. Nigel worked here. Yep. All right. right. Really? Yeah. yeah. This would be educational for all of us, I think. <laughs> I wasn't in the band at first. That's so right. That's why I just asked that. Oh, really? Question. I didn't yeah, know yeah. that. I yeah. didn't know that. And, and they'll probably say but things four, that I don't know or remember. But you were a four-piece nonetheless. We yep. were a four-piece, So started yeah. you, you, James, and a different drummer. Yeah. Well, okay. J- James and I kind of formed the band together in, in university in, two, in uh, 99 or 2000. York? Yeah, York. York. And uh, it was just like I threw him, him on a, a banjo and me uh, acoustic, and we uh, I played my first show pretty solo acoustic. He came on the last two songs with the banjo and then that really got a big response so I said the next time I play it won't just be me acoustic it'll be him the whole time with the banjo so then we were like this acoustic banjo guitar duo for a bit and then I kept I kept writing songs and more songs and then James was like you know we should we should really turn this into a band he dropped the banjo for an electric and he uh got he was in the music program at York so he had connections to all sorts of musicians and then our first drummer was uh Tobias Smith, who was a York University musician, and uh, we had a rotating cast of bass players. Uh, Mike Overton uh, was in the band for a little bit, and then eventually Nigel joined the band with Tobias and James and myself. No, never with Tobias. Never with Tobias. Almost. 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 Right. Right. Andrew Houst is another integral key beginning member who started on bass when Tobias Smith was playing drums. Tobias was very rigid. Even if I started the song, he would want to count the song in. One, two, three, four. <laughs> I mean, I passed me that, but it was just really, you know, and I like to f- screw up time signatures and s- tempos and all, and he was just, well, we can't do that. He was an interesting guy, but he was a metronome. He could drum. He was really great. So he played, and then after a while, we fizzled out with him. Andrew House moved from bass to drums, and then that's when Nigel came in, yeah, and started playing bass, and then that's how kind of the four did, piece stayed for a while. About Nigel, because you played the Cameron House while he was working the Cameron House, and then no, it was the uh, the York Lanes Battle of the Bands at the Underground. Oh shit! With Ed Toast, our, our old band, <laughs> right? Playing with uh, it was the Electric Mud yeah. or. Like, we weren't running the kittens at the very beginning when it was that lineup. We were we went through the electric mud. Tobias was always like, why don't we just call it the Nate Mills band? Which is just <laughs> perfectly Tobias. One, highly two, unimagined. Three, yeah, Nate yeah. Mills Nate Mills band. Straight like with the apostrophe at the end. <laughs> 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 Actually Sorry. that wouldn't have been bad. That I might have, I have gone for that. Well, you know, punctuation makes all the difference. Okay, next I'm gonna play you a track 
from 2005's Run With The Kittens, Run With The Kittens, because it was self-titled. And the song is called Ricky Martin, Shake Your Boobies In My Face. celebrated their 20th anniversary uh, in terms of playing together as a rhythm section and so they've been in a, they were in a band called Ed Toast for quite a while really popular trio 
that played a lot in Stratford. And uh, you were kind of a big deal in Barrie, Ontario. Very big deal in Barrie. In the nineties. And Stratford. And Stratford was Stratford. a huge <laughs> thing for these guys. Our satellites. So one day our bands were on the same bill, and that's how we that's how we saw each other. And then. I don't know. You lost a bet, and then you ended up playing baseball. No, James asked me, he's like, we need a bass player, and I was honestly kind of not into it, because I didn't care for Tobias a whole lot. And I remember showing up at House Place, like, and just being like, oh, that guy switched to, oh, I, this oh. is actually a possibility, because um, House was on drums, and a way better drummer than he was bass player, I thought, or super great, like, great drummer. Yeah. Couldn't sign his name to a check. He kind of quit the band after two or three months of playing here yeah that was the that was so that was the original four-piece formation when we started here at the cameron house in 2000 and x x so i don't know two or three so when you got off to the start yeah so there was you and james's founding members where you guys yeah. were the writing brains behind it all mainly and then kind me. of dishing the parts oh mainly you okay, yeah so and then he would come and uh he would help arrange sometimes, but 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 really, uh, I was the principal songwriter. He was the guy that kind of corralled the other musicians in and and kind of translated for me. Right. So I didn't know tons about music, right. speak, and well, stuff like that. Composing is a career for you, right? It's, it's yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, now. So. Yeah, not not then. Okay, but right. Okay. Now. I know a little bit more now. I know now that there's uh, majors and minors on okay. on keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> See, I had a keyboard, I took it back to Long McQuaid, because like, there's no minors on this, and then they showed me what was up, so... Well, you can imagine, as their name implies, that uh, if you run with the kittens, you don't really run in a straight line. For their second album, the boys went in the studio and created an all-lounge album. The uh, sophomore album. Of course, what yeah. you do is, when you put out a successful first album, you follow it up with a lounge record. <laughs> again, again, com- not commercially that? viable. Why? I don't know, because we don't, cause we don't care. And... It seems, by the way they talk about it, that it wasn't such a big success, but it's kind of disappeared. They don't have copies of it. It's floating around out there. And because of that, I'm not going to bug the guys to give me a track for it. I'm going to leave it up to you, the listener, to get out there and hunt around, because it is out there, and it's actually a really amazing record. All lounge, all run with the kittens. Okay, so let's fast forward to 2007. They go in the studio with Terry Brown, producer of Rush and... Max Webster fame, and they come into there with an album called Bangers and Mash, and I'm going to play you the lead track off of that, one that is a big favorite in their live show that they're still playing today, Blue Flame. Oh, my God. 
Yes, yeah, so Champagne, Champagne James Robertson, well, his name was just James back then, or Boobies. Boobies or 70s, 70s, or he had a whole bunch of nicknames. <laughs> um, it wasn't until later on. He earned the them, every one of them. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah. I don't know about Boobies. I don't know. I came in after he Who was called Who can say they've had that many nicknames and deserved it? Not a lot. Not a lot, folks. But uh, yeah, so James and I founded the group. I was the principal songwriter. He uh, got the, the, the rhythm section together, and uh, we started playing shows, like at the Oasis, which is no longer... Holy Joe's. A bar. Holy Joe's, which my is first gig no longer band. a bar. Holy Joe's? Stairs uh, at the Big Bop? Yeah, the Big Bop. I had to admit to the guys that I haven't known the band for that many years. And, you know, I've never actually seen them play along with James Robertson. I have, however, seen James over at Reposado playing with Spy vs. Spy. And I kind of know him as a real Telecaster master kind of guy. In that regard, I think of him primarily as a lead guitarist. So when I approached the back catalog of Run With The Kittens recordings, I was fully expecting to dive in there and find all these sprawling guitar solos. And uh, I didn't. What really stands out is that James is a great ensemble player. And I asked Nate if he was writing with James's strengths in mind. I was, I never wrote, I, I'm, I'm, I don't come from a guitar solo world. I, I wasn't into Van Halen or any kind of guitar solo heavy groups. Um, when I pull up to pick him up and I'm playing like 1984 Jump, he kind of tells me to turn it off right away. I, I, I wince a bit, I like, cry. Turn that off, Jake. And then I say, turn it off, Jake. <laughs> yeah. And usually I turn it up a bit to annoy him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then, yeah, it's, it's, it was, if I'm going to write a song, there's very rarely a solo section written into the song. I would write, you know, an intro, verse, chorus, I'd have maybe a couple bridge ideas or something like that, but rarely would there be, uh, in the recorded home demo or whatever, a solo section per se. So what would happen was I'd write a song, intro, verse, chorus, verse, whatever, and then, you know, we would all learn it, and then basically there would be a juncture in the song where i go, okay, James, you just be James now and just do whatever you like. Okay, I see, yeah. And then he would just, you know, kick off the dock and go into some world, and sometimes it would, you know, they'd, they'd be really long solos or something. It just, it all depended uh, on where it was going, and he would quote all, all kinds of different songs within a solo, and it was a pastiche very postmodern. Yes. And, you guys are um, very postmodern. We're in very fact, pomo, because yeah. all I learned about that in university. What so. does that mean? I didn't necessarily. When I that like when I was growing up, I listened to whatever my mom's record collection was, of course, which was Beatles and Michael Jackson, Bad and. Beach How about Boys. you? What's your big influences, music-wise and for Mr. your instrument? Bungle. Nigel introduced me to Mr. Bungle. Oh yeah, yeah, which is a big postmodern mashup. Okay. Yeah, so that that's a definite like. And that was Ed music, Ed music with a big M. Like, and Ed right. Toast, their, 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 yeah. their three-piece band was a very big nod to Mr. Bungle, right. Naked City, Naked yeah. City, like like really, yeah, yeah, like country, like within the same song, mm-hmm. straight up techno, jazz, country, punk rock, like in one song with, without real any transition, yeah. without regard for any transition, just yeah, mm-hmm. snap. And Jake, as a drummer, I mean, I've got seen you guys half a dozen times live. Like, you are also able to speak in a lot of musical vocabulary. So your influences, who were your band influences? Who were the drummers you listened to? Uh, well, I grew up on uh, John Bonham, playing in my basement, learning how to play drums with my headphones on, playing along to Led Zeppelin albums. And then I met Nigel, and he just opened the doors open for me. Like, you got to listen to Mr. Bungle, it's in a naked city. Joey Barron. Great New York drummer. Definitely, yeah, for Jake and I, that New York, like the mid-90s New York avant-garde scene, for lack of a better word. That stuff was big. And that really, 
puts in sort of where it, maybe not those bands in common, but that idea that we have in common with Nate, like from the earliest days, of just like anything goes. If it's good music, yeah, it's good. You can have right a thrash metal song next to now I'm going to give you another little taste of how far and wide the musical palette of Run With The Kittens really is. Um, in the year 2008, the boys recorded Cad Gold Jr., a bit of a departure for them. They really wanted to do something electronic. And it worked well for some of us, not well for others. Uh, I think at the end of the day, though, Cad Gold Jr. might be one of my favorite releases. One of my favorites. It's also one of yeah. Jake's favorite. In spite of, I did not enjoy the process yes. of making. Yes, so... <laughs> That's probably... One of the most vocal tell me, complainers. Tell me why you didn't enjoy the process. Oh, well, I just feel like I wasn't getting invited to play much drums on the album. Yeah. So Jake, by nature, is a very shitty drummer, should I? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. My 
your band. It's like these guys have got great eclectic influences, and I guess they're open to like <laughs> to indulging you in all yeah, the crazy thing, shit that you try. Yeah. Has there ever been something that you just were like, "Whoa, Nate!" You're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's one right now that I played for them twice in the van on the way home from Guelph, <laughs> and I'm like, like I played it once, and it, 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 in, in, in all fairness, it's progressive. I don't know, or just bizarre, or maybe it just musically it's wrong. Okay, but I, I find a vibe in it. I feel something when Which I way? listen to it. I don't, I don't have a title for you. It's new, yeah. but it's like we didn't react to it. That's all enthusiasm. No, you guys like I said. I put it on. I'm in the back seat, and I'm kind of like looking at the side profiles of their faces <laughs> to see if they're smirking or yes. or nodding or whatever. And it's and it's just stone. Yeah. And the song's about a minute into it, and it's still stone. You shouldn't read too much into my expression because it's 4 a.m. And morning. you're driving home. Yeah. But, but 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 you know, there's no head bopping. There's no toe tapping yeah. or anything. And then the song ends. <laughs> And then it's like, so what do you guys think? And, and you know, and I just like, I, I don't know what, I don't know what that is. And oh, I know the one you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, I just couldn't make heads or tails of it. Really yeah, so Nando said he's like, where's, where he's like, where's was. one? What, what's going on? And you know, like sometimes I don't really even know where one is, but yeah. that doesn't seem to <laughs> matter to me in a way. Yeah. Um, so uh, that one, I don't know if that'll ever see the light of day. That's just one example, though. Of but it, it really, it, it, it's not that much of a bother when that happens because. I write a lot. Like I, I am prolific, and, and, and they might not all be good, but I, there's a there's a volume, <laughs> you know. So if they don't, if there's one that's like we don't agree on, there's three that we can easily just hash out right on the floor and get. And I think even there's like 199 that we agree on. Mm-hmm. One that like out of yeah. the, like remember like a few years ago when we had our 10th anniversary show. And actually, wrote, like mm-hmm. I went through and wrote down all the songs we had played. It was like close to two hundred songs. Because like we did 100. a ten song or ten set, yeah, ten set show for our ten year anniversary here at the Cameron House. But dusted off a lot. Like there's a ton of songs that we're like, oh, let's learn it and see what sticks. And then we played it once or twice, and then never played. Like Poison Wiener Park. Yeah, we, still <laughs> one of my favorite Nate Mills songs. <laughs> but I think we played it. Three times. There was an incident totally. in High Park or one of the parks where dogs were being poisoned. People, some maniac was going in there with hot dog wieners and he was injecting them with poison and leaving them out. Creepy. Yeah, and so I heard about this in the news and it really kind of disturbed me. And I was, uh, I just wrote this song called Poison Wiener Park. And it's a really bizarre, <laughs> musically, I don't even know what the, the genre. Very topical and local. Right? Yeah, very yeah, topical, very local, and like short window of, uh, of, of being relevant. We like to utter our hometown culture. Yeah. Come on, baby, let's take a walk through Poison Wiener Park. Let the dogs chew. They don't know what they're getting into. I mean, it's just... And it's not like, you know, it's it's, it's about this creep who's doing this, you know, in the verses. Anyway, it's a whole thing. But yeah, like Nigel said, we, I wrote it, we learned it, played it maybe twice. Like once awesomely. Once awesomely. Second time was like, well, that's weird. Yeah. And then yeah. I just never played and it again. And then it sat dormant for uh, eight years. It yeah. wasn't her big hit. Well, I'm not sure if this next one is uh, another one from their repertoire that has withstood the sands of time, but uh, it's one that I love. It's uh, also from Cad Gold Jr. It's called Tell Me to Take It Now.
at the halfway mark of our special edition first episode of season two, 60-minute episode with Run With The Kittens. So we're going to take a short break, and when we get back, we're going to talk to the guys about their favorite cover songs. Well, I, you know, I would, I would do that kind of shit kicking. And then we'd go, so the riff would be like, You're listening to Shut Off That Noise. Steve, I understand you want to help first-time home buyers get into that first home sooner, and you have some financial planning strategies to share with us in order to achieve it. I do. Let's face it, it's a challenging marketplace out there, and first-time home buyers need every tool at their disposal. For instance, do you think it's possible to save $25,000 in two-thirds of the time it normally would? No. Why not? Well, it sounds too good to be true. Believe it or not, it's actually possible. And it's got nothing to do with getting into risky investments. In fact, what you invest in has little to do with achieving this goal. Seriously? Seriously. So how does it work? If you work, you earn an income, right? Yeah. And you pay tax on that income, correct? I try not to, but yes. (laughs) Of course. So how about if I told you that you could leverage your taxes? Uh, Okay. There's a very simple financial planning strategy out there that your bank will never share with you that will actually achieve your goal much sooner, but you need to be disciplined about it and you need someone like me to manage it for you. Okay, so what is it? Uh, Well, unfortunately, uh, we don't have enough time in the short segment for me to get into any detail. So instead, I thought I'd give a seminar for all your listeners who are first-time buyers out there where I can get into the nitty-gritties. The good thing is I can actually tailor the seminar to the audience, kind of make it live, so to speak. So if any of your listeners are interested... All they have to do is RSVP to me in order to attend. The skeptic in me still says this is too good to be true. I understand that, of course. I mean, it does sound too good to be true in some ways, but it's not. Most people are unaware of the hundreds of different strategies we use in the financial planning world to help people achieve their goals. This just happens to be one of them. We have a fundamentally different approach at Investors Group, and I would love to tell you all about it at my next seminar. I'm Steve Dearlove, Financial Advisor at Investors Group, and want to help you get into that home much sooner. I highly recommend that you look up Stephen Dearlove on Facebook and make friends. He will tell you all about when his next seminar is taking place, where and when and how.
That was Caledonia with Run With The Kittens. That was their 2010 album, Myth In The Sky. We'll play a little bit more from that later. Next up, uh, we're going to pick up where we were talking with the guys about their 10th anniversary at the Cameron House. That's right, they've, they've been playing the Cameron House for about 13 years. At, at the start, they were playing their weekly. Uh, at this point now, they're playing monthly. So, for their 10th anniversary at the Cameron House, they marked the occasion by doing 10 sets, one for every year, and they played everything they ever recorded, wrote, covered, and they probably even made some things up. And then, uh, and then yeah, with the 10 sets, 10 year, it was like, well, we, we have, we, we're not going to repeat songs. These will be 10 unique sets all in a row, starting at, at 4 in the afternoon, go till close. And... Uh, so songs like Poison Wiener Park would get dusted off. And right. Because, we'd, we'd okay. you know, we had to fill up. We got a lot of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So any cover we might have played through the years, and then a lot of just, like, really obscure kitten stuff, yeah. Uh, Rebecca tells me a story of one of the years you were at Periwinkle, I think probably the first year where you came back out and played a lot of covers for the audience and... In a mocking tone, to say the least. I don't know. Does, Maybe. Does this, we don't does know a ton of Maybe that's covers. how she's read into it, but... Uh, Sweet Home Alabama? Uh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just yeah, bringing yeah. back a memory. Yeah. yeah. We so, that? well, I, you know, I would, I would do that kind of shit kicking. Uh, and then we'd go. So the riff would be like, ding, 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 uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I would mock that if someone yelled out "Freebird" or "Sweet Home Alabama," I might like just butcher the first like tiny bit as a total rejection, and then so we could move on and get it out of our system. <laughs> playing like a bunch of covers or whatever not really I mean uh, at Periwinkle there was a lady there Leanne who really loved Johnny Cash uh, uh, Folsom Prison Blues so you know we would play that pretty much straight up but other than that you know we do an NWA cover that we just turned into like a folk thing that's like one of the oldest things I've been doing like when I first even got an acoustic uh, I, that was like one of the first things I did with it. We have covers that we play lovingly as well. Yeah, and then we right. have like so a Nirvana not, not cover. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I can really? count, you can like, count on four fingers pretty much. You know? Now, Periwinkle goes back a number of years too, right? And you've been doing it regularly, yearly, right? Periwinkle predates the kittens, yeah. It yeah. does? Oh, oh wow. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, wow, yeah, wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, and then, so you must know the people that. I forgot their names that have the property yeah, there. And then you kind of started out as like an opening act and then like eventually you guys were like doing like Played Friday and Saturday night. night. Yeah, I, 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 the whole thing. Yeah, I had recorded a, song, uh, a little album on my own uh, called uh, uh, The Action is the Juice and I did it on like a four track. It's really rough and tumble. Out of tune banjos, all kinds of shit. And I put it out. Uh, well, I didn't put it out. I burned a few copies. And then I went, I volunteered at the Mariposa Folk Festival one year picking up garbage. Excuse me. And the Silverhearts were playing. Silverhearts are this really long-standing, still playing, uh, not the original lineup, but at one point, like a 14-piece group out of uh, Peterborough. And one of the members in the group 
was brothers with Rob Reeder. Still is brothers with. Still is to this day, <laughs> if you can imagine that. So they were playing at the Mariposa Folk Festival one night, and they blew my mind. They were just this stompy, ragtime, like, like uh, roots, like, amazing stuff. So I came up to them after, and I, I said, are you guys going to be back here tomorrow night? I'm going to come back and give you one of my CDs that I made. I'm so excited. Yeah, we'll be here. So I made good on it. The next night I show up, I give them the CD. They take off, and I don't hear hide nor hair. That's it. And then about uh, a month later, I get a phone call. Is this Nate Mills? I said, yeah. They said, this is, this is uh, Tom Reader. Uh, from the Silverhearts, I said, oh yeah, they said, we've been on the road for weeks, and we just listened to this CD you gave us over and over, and I don't know if they listened to it because was they thought... Was it the first album? Or? It, my, my, yeah, my first Not even the release. first written, one of your albums. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, like my own solo release, yeah. like pre... like But had, like, Live Forever on it, early versions oh, of wow. songs that we'd play. And they just loved it. And I don't know if, why they loved it, if they loved it because it was good, or if they, like, loved it because it was, like, they thought it was so bad it was good, or I don't know what. Because I listen to it now, it's like Nails on Chalkboard, but... Uh, they ended up getting in touch with me and saying, you have to come and play my brother's festival. It's, uh, you know, it's just outside of Midland, and uh, he, they, you, you got, they would eat you up. And uh, they, they told me this popping into my beer store that I was working at on the Friday of that weekend. You know, and hey, there's some guys in the front for you. I come out, it's these, these guys all dressed in, like, cherished badges, and, <laughs> and they all, like have uh, instruments and they're like what are you doing after work come to this I'm like what, what? <laughs> yeah you should come I'm like I'm working all weekend guys. so the next year uh, a plan kind of came in place where Rob Reeder came to the you know brother his brother Tom told Rob you should go to Toronto check out the kittens get them for your periwinkle thing Rob came down to the city saw us I think it's Sneaky D's or something and uh, he really loved it and then he invited us to a, the, the periwinkle the following year that was our first year, and I think Periwinkle at that point was maybe eight years into it on its own. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Um, so we were kind of like this, you know, hi, everybody, what's going on? You know, like new to this, and rough and tumble crowd, you get biker types, all kinds of weird hippies. And, that was great. And uh, <laughs> it was the best. We really found a home at Periwinkle. It was either, like, either a really small music festival or a giant backyard party. Yeah. Depending yeah. on how you looked at That's it. Like, right. it wasn't a quote-unquote real music festival. Yeah. There's no security or tickets or whatever, but it was like a guy with a giant backyard inviting. Tell him about the robbery of his closest friends. Poster. Oh, yeah, the best. He gave me a poster one year. He was like, here's a poster for Periwinkle. I'm like, what do you want me to do? you want me to put this up at the bar? Like, where do you want me to put this? I'm like, put, put it on your fridge. <laughs> if somebody's in your kitchen, if, you're a, if, you, if you like him enough and trust him enough to have him in your house, then you can invite him to my place. Well, I think I've got a little bit too ambitious there, promising you uh, two tracks from Myth in the Sky. So, moving right along, we're going to sample a track from Letters from Camp, that's from 2012, and a song that asks the musical question, How hardcore is your manticore? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven is the way you count the seven. Now we're naked now. One, two, three, four, five, six is the way you count the seven. No, it ain't. One, two, three, four, five is the way you count the seven. Plus two. One, two, three, four is the way you count the seven. Plus three. I was having lots of fun, chilling in the summer sun. Black snow fell from the clouds so loud. And when you came home, I had a whole steak cooked. You could eat it off the floor, you could read it in a book. Let me tell you about it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven is the way you count the seven. Now I take it down. One, two, three, four, five, six is the way you count the seven. 
Kittens have played hundreds of gigs over 13 years in hundreds of bars. They've toured across Canada. They've toured Holland. And yet they still remain a well-kept secret, as I've said. So I asked the guys if fame and fortune was ever a part of their ambitions. Nothing that specific. It would be nice to quit my day job. Other than that, like, I think that's the biggest yeah. like, a goal of playing music. Of like, If you can actually to support yourself playing music, yeah. then... That's great. Yeah. But I don't, like, we never had any ambitions of, yeah, we're going to be the next whatever. I think, like, we've, you know, we've been... Just a, hop in a bus and start driving around the country. Yeah, we, we didn't really, we didn't really suss out much. We kind of just kind of started to create and do what, what we were doing, and if things kind of came our way, they came our way, and if they... they we, we, I guess what I'm saying is we weren't that overly proactive about it. Okay. Yeah. Nigel said uh, before you guys showed up that you had been approached by somebody from a label, said he... But no, he just sort of said you were great, and he's like, I can't sell you. Like, it was like can you the walk me through that? Remember that? Where in the agency group? Yeah, it was like, you guys are great. Love, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I think it was the agency, but like yeah. one of the three big booking agents in Canada. Yeah. Like either Paquin or the agency or something. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, how like within mid sentence he sort of went, "Oh, you guys are amazing! I love your energy and the sound, whatever." And then Nate was like, "Oh, so sign us to your booking agents? I can't sell you." 
No, man. I'm sorry. You're Not un- commercially viable. Yeah, you're on. Un- did that hurt? Did like no? It no, was, it was he- completely expected. Or did it just confirm? <laughs> yeah, and like go, yeah, when we're on the right track, you <laughs> know, like we Kinda. gotta stick to our right. guns. In a sense, I mean, I don't, I don't try to be weird for the sake of trying to be weird. Uh, it's just kind of, you know, these are just kind of idea, like an idea. We would have preferred if they could have. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah too, I mean, like, we weren't like, yeah. yes. Don't get us wrong. Like, we yeah. we went for it for a number of years. Yeah, like, tour on our own. Yeah, when yeah, we money, first started yeah. out, it wasn't. We, we weren't totally nonchalant. When we, we first started out, I, we never sat down and had a total conversation of like five year plan where we want to be. Yeah. But 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 we definitely had a, a little bit of piss and vinegar in us where we were just like, yeah, let's let's get a bus. Play let's, every let's try and do it. Yeah, play every all this. Yeah. You know, I went through a series of managers and, and, and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, after a while... Have managers helped? Or has it been better to self-manage? Um, managers... Our one really... Our best manager, best was, manager our was a help. Yeah. We yeah. had never made or lost so much money when he was managing us. Or, sorry, not lost. I should say we've never, we had never spent nor made uh, as much money when he so was So it all just broke even and canceled itself out. It was... Uh, no, no, no. I mean, like, he would... He would you know, he would uh, spend a lot on certain certain things, but then we would get you know pretty good returns on oh, so that. And stuff. Um, uh, all in all, uh, we had some pretty cockamamie managers. We, you know, we had this guy named Lloyd. <laughs> I don't even know what his real name, but we just we were, you know, he, he literally couldn't it stand. It wasn't his real name. He, he, he literally couldn't stand on his own two feet. He literally could. He had bad knees. He was always on crutches. And I remember uh, we, he booked us this show at the Revival, right? Which is a nice big club on college, and it was uh, for. For a fashion show, so like models and everything, you know, and, and we're going to be the house band, and uh, so after the, the the runway show, we get up there, we're going to play the night, and we have this song called, favorite. yeah, we have a song called Let's Make Fuck, and it's, it's not, like, titled Let's Make Love on the record just to trick people into listening to it, but, let's, you know, it's called Let's Make Fuck, and, you know, we get up there, and we start playing it, and it's very raunchy and, and graphic, and uh, tongue in cheek, Ronji. T- tongue in cheek. Yeah, I'm doing it from the perspective of like this oversexed hip hop. Uh, you know, it, it's a kind of a comment on you know the oversexual uh, sexuality in hip hop. But our manager's mother didn't see it that way, and uh, and she Uh-oh. was in the yeah, and and I think she basically told told him to break it off or yeah, Which yeah. Is probably better for us in the long run. Yeah. But you know, but like just a lot of you know, just a, you know. But we've had we've had we've had some good people coming in and out of the organization for sure. And uh, has it gone any further? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I I just we love just really creating. Like I love writing songs. I love getting together. I love playing. I love performing in front of people. And as long as like we we can keep doing that, like we're pretty content. Yeah. Uh, you know, like that's kind of yeah. That's, that was kind of the first goal, and still is. Like yeah, that's never goal. wavered. Just like come up with cool original music and play it. Okay, here's a little bit of self-indulgence on my part. I'm going to play you my favorite track from Letters from Camp. It's called Better When It's Planned.
shop our stuff That's to a, like a label in Japan or something, right? Because weird shit always flies over in Japan. If I were to do something like that and and, uh, and they were like, hey, we, there's interest, like, would, would you guys, uh, you know, tomorrow uh, uh, go, okay, let's go to Japan for a week or two weeks to see how this it, only goes. Only if we can find Frog Pilot and tour of those guys. Yeah, those guys were great. <laughs> we uh, played with this Japanese band that came over here for a bit and they were, they were hilarious, like just funny guys, great musicians, great stuff. And one night, uh, it was their last show, so I decided, when we were, we were playing with them for the last show, and I decided I'd go on Google Translate and, and say, in Japanese, a fond farewell, and I got up there and I read this whole thing, and uh, I, and then they were kind of, like, one of the girls that they were sitting with was like, oh! And she was a little, and I guess I, I said something very disparaging in Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> it went a little sideways, and I, I, I had to say no, no. And then we, they, I, I showed them even the Google Translate, and they, they we, they were worked out. Misunderstanding. Nobody got a black eye. Nobody no, got no. a black eye. And, and you know, if we could get in touch with them, if you're listening to this frog pilot, reach out. Do you feel the CD is becoming um, an obsolete piece of plastic? Did you guys print? Um, Casio Bluebrom as, as CDs, or is it just yep. a download? No, that's that's a real physical. Uh... Yeah. Again, uh, Travis Schilling uh, with all the album art on Casio Bluebrom, and that it's is... a beautiful painting. I love. I really love that. Yeah. Watercolor. Well, the, the the whole the whole package, physical, the tangible double uh, CD package itself is is it's sharp. It's slick. It looks uh, every time I keep Travis Schilling involved, all our albums look so mature and so professional. <laughs> totally. You know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you get Nick involved. You got some degenerate standing in a bathroom stall with a bunch of graffiti. Man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I, you see these. We're, we're in a bizarre place. You know, we tried the download card, and uh, people in our demographic looked at it. Thought it was a fridge magnet. Didn't know what to do with it. Oh, well, what you do is you go to your computer and you turn on your. I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? So that was out the window. Download cards didn't work so well. And uh, vinyl is just way too expensive, and you know, who cares? And then CDs are still seemingly that that middle ground that 20, 20 year old kids at the show run up and buy it, and fifty, sixty year old people at the show run up and buy it. And I don't think it has anything to do with the with the medium itself. I think what it has to do with is something tangible they can take from the band and bring home. I think they're lost in the moment, they're caught up in the excitement. We're a really great band live. On on record, I, I, I wish we could capture it a little more. But our strength is live, and we can we can hypnotize people and get them drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and they will run up to the stage, and they will want to buy something. And I don't even know if they listen to these things, but they buy them because I think it's a piece that they want to take from that night, and so they can at least... Maybe when they're cleaning their house someday, go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, if you, too, want to take away a little piece of Run With The Kittens, 
Uh, it's not that hard. Nigel has got tons of copies of the back catalog and boxes in his garage, apparently. And you can also just walk right into the Cameron House on Queen Street, and they've got CDs for sale of Run With The Kittens and all kinds of other artists that perform there. Some people they get up, some people they get tired, some people screw your country, they have all your tired. How is that I know you were never gonna give it away? How is that I know it was all They are at the Cameron House the first Tuesday of every month, and they are at the Jimmy Jazz in Guelph the first Friday of every month. So thank you, Nate, Nigel, and Jake, for being on the show. You've been listening to Shut Off That Noise. I'm Craig Redock. See you next time.